Hey, everybody, I found a great review. I love this. Absolutely amazing. Exclamation point five stars from B. Voss. The whole series has been great, but episode eight on sensuality, sexuality, and deconstruction was absolutely amazing. I sat and thought about so much of it for hours after. I'm going to have to go listen to that one. I know. I was like, what was on episode eight? (laughs) You guys, we so appreciate it when you leave reviews specifically and rate the show. It really helps other people to discover this content. Thanks so much. Does anybody else's head itch wearing... (laughs) I wear headphones for my job, so I think I'm just used to it. It's yeah. like after a while, I feel like I just need to go. Now, yeah. now it does. Do that. <laughs> or I'm like, is that a pain? Like, yeah, I just have it done properly. My ears feel itchy. Oh, I think I that's why I keep thinking of the that. That I hate you. That I have. That's worse. Itchy in here to feel like. Does I feel like you have a tick on your leg right now? <laughs> By the way, I did a thorough tech check on Lucas last night. Oh, did you? I'm oh, good. Did you, did you, like that? you checked his what? Tick, 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 check. Did a, did a thorough, thorough. You, you know you love your spouse when you're like bend over and spread because I want to make sure you don't get Lyme's disease. Yeah. No, see that's not fair. I love my spouse, and I would never do that. We totally do that because I'm like I can't, I can't get, I can't get me Lyme's disease. From Milieu Media Group, this is Fun Parts, an exploration of sexuality and spirituality. For anyone who's curious or convinced, there must be more. With your hosts, Latifa Alatas, Ashley Lusink, Steve Weens, Luke Bronner, and me, Becky Patton. All right. Well, we've had a few sort of more intense conversations. And Becky, you requested that this episode be something a little lighter. So I had something that I thought would be after dark, but I'll just go for it. So... I want to know, there are so many words you all know about me that I get very uncomfortable with most of what we talk about, but there are specific words that I just really don't like, like words that are not a part of my vocabulary because they make me very uncomfortable. And I just want to know if that is a shared experience among any of you, or are you all just comfortable saying well, anything? You have to give a couple of examples well, to get I us started. To ask the question. No, no, no. Yeah, I'm I'm just, now I'm thinking, how, get, do like, we guess them? Or do I was like, 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 which word? Bingo? Let's play fun parts Wordle. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> That'd be fun, wouldn't it? Yeah, that would be for some people. I mean, how, how, like <laughs> sexual acts? Sexual jargon. Sexual parts. Sexual parts. All the above. All of the above. Yeah. 69. <laughs> um, I, I don't know what they are. You haven't given us any the, clues. Yeah. The, uh, so aroused would be the proper word, but the word most people use is... Boner? Horny? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is those a, are both on the list, but that's the one that's I... So yeah, Steve. There were multiple times when you visited a couple weeks ago where I was like, that's such a boner killer. <laughs> You did say that, and I was like, I hope you say that on this season. <laughs> I'm like, oh, it's such a boner killer. And I, it didn't even occur to me that that would be a word that made you uncomfortable. Yeah. Yeah. But <laughs> I just think horny is a terrible word. But I feel like I hear other people use it so freely. And so that's the example that I will put out there. But are there words like that for you that are just, there's got to be a better way to say that. Is that a shared experience for any of you at any level? 
What's that song where it's like, I'm so horny? Miso, Miso, two life crew. Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't like that. I love the way you say it. Miso. <laughs> can we do that once just in silence so I can sample that? And... Uh, yes. I mean, like, I feel like when it's in that, like how it said in that song, like, it's not like offensive to me, but I'm not like, ooh, yeah. You know, like, I would never look at Lucas and be like, I'm so horny. <laughs> Uh, will you though? Will you I do that today tonight. before the day is over? I would love to <laughs> see how he reacts to you. Your tick check. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's like now, right after you say bend over and spread them, then <laughs> Ooh, now I'm horny. We should say before before we started the episode, there are some ticks in the woods that we are staying and. Lucas and I had to do a tick check last night. <laughs> we should. Yeah. And I told chose to told Luke we did a thorough tick check because I don't want limes <laughs> and I don't want him to get it either. It limes. Wasn't, it was. <laughs> it wasn't foreplay. It was survival. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I, I would say like if Lucas looked at me and said that I'm so horny, like <laughs> that would be uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you should be with the accent. That should always be uncomfortable. But there are people who say that in, in other yeah, inflections. Like if he was like, "Baby, I'm really horny right now," I'd probably be like, "Oh, okay." You know, like I, context. It's context. Mm-hmm. That's basically what I'm saying. If somebody that I'm attracted to said something arousing or sexual and it put me in the mood, I. I don't know if I have any limits. Like the word aroused I mean, doesn't phase me. Turned on doesn't phase yeah. me. Those are all fine. But that's just well, a because word you can that turn like, a light switch on. It feels on. crude. It feels like, so crude. How about Randy? I, I feel Randy. Oh yeah, yeah that, that always. I, my one of my very best friends on this planet is named Randy, and so it's like <laughs> that, I just don't <laughs> just, like. I'm just thinking about Randy. Sandy. It's not the association <laughs> yeah. you want when you're feeling no. horny. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else. Maybe scrotum. I mean, that, that feels like a medical word. It doesn't feel like a turn-on word. Wow. You know, if he was like, get into my scrotum, I'd be like... What the hell? That's sort of weird. Ball you were asking earlier. Yeah, 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 yeah. I just The scenarios you created was... <laughs> get into my scrotum. Wow. That, that, that would maybe pull me out. Yeah, as, as it should. <laughs> the experience. Yeah. I, don't, I don't like that word. That's, yeah, that's, that's powerful. Yeah, I don't like when people say I want to screw. Mm, that to me yeah. feels. I think it's like, just crude things. It feels. That... It, it feels to me like they're taking something that I love and they're making it in. It feels crude. It does feel crude to me. The other one too that I, I don't like. Do you want to fuck? I don't like that either, because I think it's got so many derogatory. Meanings. Now, I say the word fuck quite a bit when I'm angry at other things, but I'm not speaking necessarily about sex as much as I'm speak- using it as an expletive. But I don't like that. That would not turn me on at all. If, for example, yeah. you want to fuck, I would like, I'm like, what, what? But like, if you had clients and that really worked for them, you wouldn't tell them that's wrong. No, no, no. Just I to wouldn't. be clear, no, I, I'm I know you about wouldn't. Me. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. no, no. I just, I just don't want to shame anybody who's like into, no, 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 no. into using it in foreplay. Or no, whatever. and that's, and I, and maybe there could be playful with it. Just for me, it's those are the two words that I think I kind of just takes you out of the experience. Yeah. Well, it doesn't yeah. take me out necessarily. Just <laughs> I have to help re-educate in a different way with a different language and let's yeah. speak the language that I need right now and how do we do that? And yeah. I love doing that. Yeah. That's kind of fun. I think it's so interesting. I think the word crude or like using that as a descriptor for a lot of the words that feel uncomfortable feels so true because I think 
in a small town in Wisconsin, there's a lot of sexual innuendo for things. It's just part of like, a lot of sexual language that it, it feels demeaning in a lot of ways. And so like over the years, I've had to like kind of things kind of fall away. And I think too, also being with Alan, he is someone who is like so deeply respectful mm. that early on when there'd be certain things, like I would say, like, do you want to fuck? Like it was jarring. And I had, it was interesting to me to be like, oh, this is a safe space to be respectful and care for and it's intimate. And so when you bring in those things, sometimes it just, it feels like it does take something away. It cheapens it. It cheapens it. Yeah. yeah. And I think that was like, a, like an evolution of, for myself because my younger self jokes and whatever, and it was just kind of part of the language, you know, yeah. but now the more I respect myself and my body and respect my partner and just in general, humanity, it's like, gosh, yeah do feel like and i think that may be tied to purity culture because again we don't want to say that's like universally true that no, like that no, yeah. it's not that those are some inherently people it's okay bad, but yeah. like there is something about the way that i grew up and the things that i was told to avoid and taught to avoid that that feels connected over there that feels like like what you just said i mean it's like the cheap knockoff version of what should be this like rich romantic profound experience yeah, I don't know. Steve, do you have any words like that? <laughs> no one would ever say this, but the word. <laughs> Get in my scrotum. The word, <laughs> the word hump. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's more just funny. Like, that's that's not, like, but I'm just imagining, like, hey, let's hump. Yeah, like, oh I gosh. want to hump you. Yeah, like, that'd I mean, be weird I, to say. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> I, want, I, want, I want to hump, hump. my scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> would you please? Yeah, I, but I don't know if there's that many words that, you know, that I feel like are weird off or off limits. I mean, <laughs> yeah, scrotum definitely yeah. just feels... <laughs> that one just popped into my like, brain, guys. Like, you know, I something else ball up. sack earlier, yeah. that one? Something would have to be sack. wrong with said scrotum to use the word scrotum. Like, <laughs> yeah, like, I have a like, really bad rash yeah, like, on my honey, scrotum. Yeah, I've got a lump on my scrotum. Yeah, yeah, like, that's yeah, when you yeah. use the word scrotum. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's yes. medical, in need of an it's emergency care. like, you know, like, I trimmed my... You know, scrotum. I mean, you know. Yeah. I nicked my I, scrotum I, in the shower. Wow. This <laughs> is like English class. Here it is in context. Yeah. I said context the proper, matters. The proper definition. It does matter. It does really matter. This is where we should really be on Instagram Live right now. Right? Yeah. It's really, you know, having people like, what, what about you guys? True. I mean, oh I God. think that one of the things it is touching into is like, and I haven't thought about it like this before, is like we've talked a lot about consent, like verbal consent about action. But it sounds like there should maybe also be consent between your partners about what language. Yeah, like, for sure. Yeah. And it's a discussion. Like, I know people who love to talk dirty and it, like, really, like, <laughs> yeah. works for them. And, like, they love it. And it's like, like, I, as people can imagine, am a very descriptive verbally person. But, like, that doesn't mean everybody else is like that. You know what I mean? And so it's, like, finding ways to still be yourself in intimacy, but also making sure that, like, that lands for your partner. Yeah. Well, you know? and I think that sometimes there can be a difference of how when you're engaging actually in sex and you can change even the language that you're using there, it can get more intense and you can use, but I was thinking more in terms of like an invitation into it, like what words feel mm -hmm. inviting to me. Mm. Cause I think that there is something about sometimes there's just raw element of, you know, when you're just going at it and it just, you can use. Then really, scrotum fits like that. Not scrotum like, would not, but I mean, it's like there's. I'm going to find a way. You're gonna, yeah. <laughs> just don't send pictures. Okay. <laughs> It'll be just for me. 
but I think that, but I think that there is something that it's important to notice consent of language in the mix of yeah. it. That is really important. And, but the other thing too, I think what you were saying, Luke, is there's some, I mean, I remember growing up in, and I was in Texas at the time and I remember them talking about, it was Valentine's and you know, that's when churches bring somebody in to talk about sex. Yeah. That's when they have the person come in. I can't tell you how many times I'm invited to come for Valentine's Day. I'm like, like, what the heck? But anyway, but I remember the guy standing up there and talking about the thing. And I was like, you know, like <laughs> if you do the thing and I was like, what's the thing? I mean, I, I mean like literally I'm sitting there like, what's the thing? So outside of content, if we don't actually use language to help people understand youth have a lot of language, you guys, they have a lot of language. All they yeah. have to do is go, you can just Google it. It's, the dictionary.com. Yeah. 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 But I'm things. just, but I'm just saying there is something about, I want to say my culture that I grew up in, they couldn't even use the word sex. That wasn't even used. It was the thing. Or if you do the act hmm. or do the dirty, that's what that, those oh, are the three things go. I remember the it being dirty called. Man. The dirty, dirty culture. Yeah that's, yeah. that's a bummer. And I'm before purity <laughs> culture, you guys, that's yeah. pre purity culture. So, the other thing that's sort of interesting is like when you brought up Urban Dictionary, like how there's like slang terms for certain positions or certain sexual acts that like depending on like what kind of school environment you went to or what kind of kids mm -hmm. you grew up around, like you might or might not know. But like one of the things I really hated in college and like even in like my more adult life is like when someone's like, well, do you know what a dirty Sanchez is? Like, cause we would like be at this taco place and one of the tacos you can order is a dirty Sanchez. I was gonna say it's a taco at Torchy's. But. Exactly. But apparently it's, I honestly can't remember what it is. Cause like. I've looked it up before too. A, okay. Yeah. But like, I always hated it when people are like, oh, you don't know. And then like, it's like the peer pressure to like yeah. go read yeah. something that you might or might not want to think about. Like. Mm -hmm. That's the stuff that actually makes me uncomfortable. Like when I, when, if the question is like, what makes you feel squirmy or uncomfortable? I don't like feeling like to be made foolish or less than because I don't have a particular experience or wealth of knowledge in an area that like, maybe I wasn't ready to discover what a dirty Sanchez was. I obviously blocked it out because I can't remember. I don't, I, I don't know what it is. So I can't say if I think it's good or bad. So don't hear me say that. But <laughs> like, <laughs> I think that's the stuff that I don't care for. Yeah. That's a great I, yeah, example. I, yeah. Anything that in the last six years we've come to call locker room talk are things that it's just like, I just don't like that. Like it feels anything that's meant to be demeaning. Yeah. Yeah. Or even silly or even like funny or whatever. Like I just, it's not funny to me. It's not silly to me. There's something, I think the other thing that maybe you and I have in common probably a lot of us in this room have in common is like, I, I really, really love words. I love studying languages. I love writing. I love, you know, trying to be a more articulate, eloquent person when possible. And so those always feel like shortcuts linguistically to like, they feel like punchlines to me. They don't mm -hmm. feel like communication. They don't feel like articulate at all. And so if they're not funny to me and they're not useful for articulating something real, then really they're just kind of offensive to me. Like it just, or they're at least at the very least bothersome. Like I just don't like it. I mean, I do think that there are ways to use words that you can feel empowered and feel like really like positive about them. So like the word pussy, for example, like oh, if I'm using it in a context to instruct my partner, that can feel really empowering and really good. Or if he's using it in the way of like a compliment, like in an intimate moment, that feels really safe and good. 
But it, like when we had an unnamed president talking about grabbing women by the pussy and laughing about it, like with somebody that was, you know, I can't remember who it was. <laughs> that, felt really, that felt really demeaning. Like, yeah. I mean, this, the context is demeaning. The sentence is demeaning the way it's like objectifying the women that's demeaning. So like, Context is king and queen. You know what I mean? Here, that was like, literally the word that, that was popping into my head of yeah. like, I don't like that word yeah, because of that, you know, like. I mean, I love it when used in a fun way. Yeah. Like yeah. personally, or, that, I, I like that word. But I don't like it when it's wop. used in a demeaning. Which, a hoo-ha? Do you know the song, Guap, Wet Ass Pussy? Oh. oh, oh that song? Yeah. I don't, know. Yes. I don't know that yeah. one. I don't know that. Really? That's a, oh, wow. Yeah. I don't um, know that song. I'm going to have to play that later. <laughs> that is, Shocking. Sorry. <laughs> that is, Sorry, guys. That is vivid. Yeah. But um, it's a good song. Well, we'll check actually. it out. But it is, it's more about empowerment. And it's like there's so many just how she was making a point about using that word over and over again and how much men talk about what they do with their dicks and, and rap music and stuff and why can't women sing about pussies in a strong way. So, right? Does that sound? I mean, I don't know. I've heard it once when they performed it on the Grammys or on something and I was like, that's just not for me. Yeah. And I, and I read an article lover, about but... it first and then watched the video. Or so. even like like dick, like using mm. the word dick, like stop being such a dick. Like yeah. I'm trying to refrain from that terminology now because I don't want to use a part of my spouse that I dearly love as a negative. You know what I mean? For anybody. Like I don't want to like make that body part that's intended for great things to be used as a way Majority. to demean somebody. Yeah. 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 And so it's like... I'm trying to get around that because I definitely used to say, like, oh, stop being such a dick. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And then I realized as I've been growing the last few years, I was like, I don't really, I don't like that. I don't like that term for that way. Mm-hmm. So it's like context, context, yeah. context. I think there's a subculture too in the sense that our queer friends have had to hide so much. And so they've had to create language that gives context knowing without having to reveal things. Mm. And so, and honestly, some of my clients, when they tell me some of these terms, I'm like, I don't know what that is. And they will say to me, oftentimes you're outside the culture. And so I think it's something to, it's, I do think language is very, very important, but I think there's something about being able to be curious about it too. And like, tell me about why you use that. I mean, (laughs) I will never forget one day I was swearing in church over something. One of the (laughs) No, I love it. It's a great segue to the story. No, but I mean, well, one of the little girls in our church had a brain tumor, and I just Mm. and I remember I I was mad. I was really mad, and your son was right next to me. Your one of your sons was right next. Or I'm sorry, Steve's son was right next to me, and he was standing right next to me. And I just turned and I said, "I'm so fucking mad at cancer and that tumor," Mm -hmm. to the mom and dad, and and I saw tears start to trickle down. And then Ben turned to me and he goes, "Becky." you're swearing in church. (laughs) And I said, yeah, I am Ben. And I said, sometimes there's nothing else you can do, but swear you're Mm -hmm. so angry. Mm -hmm. And I think, but what the reason I'm sharing that story is because of the fact, I think sometimes there are ways in which we use language for advocacy, but it's the Mm. same language can actually end up causing harm. And that's where I'm like, yeah, noticing what makes us uncomfortable, but what's the source of why we're uncomfortable with it is a good question to ask ourselves. But then also, I just think there's something kind of fun about making space for caring for my brother and sister in what makes somebody else uncomfortable. I want to care for them. 
Mm. I, I, I really do. Because yeah, I don't, don't want to like, do harm. You don't want to force him. No. Like if I know Luke that you're really uncomfortable, I'm not gonna like if I we thought, won't use if the I script. thought that boner killer yeah. was offensive to you, which you didn't tell me it was, but like if, if I was like, oh man, that really makes Luke uncomfortable, I would I might slip, but like i would, I would try to be mindful to just say, Oh, that's a bummer. <laughs> that's a bummer killer. Bum, bum. That's a bummer. A bum, bummer. <laughs> And maybe offended is like not the right word because right, it's yeah, not yeah. necessarily that I'm offended. Those things are just jarring for me. And they're not words that like I feel comfortable using. I also have a really hard time accessing whatever part of me is fun or mm. silly. Like that's just not a place that's easy for me to access, which maybe that's part of this conversation. Mm. Maybe that's part of the repression for me, but like playful. Yeah. Like yeah. I, I remember when Lacey and I started dating, we sort of share a mutual best friend especially back in those days, a guy named Dave. And I was ridiculous with Dave. Like I would act like an absolute idiot mm. with Dave. And he was always like, why don't you ever do that with Lacey? Why don't you ever, because I would be very, very sort of serious and quiet with Lacey. And at some point it shifted to where like now Lacey's the one person that sees me act ridiculous. Mm-hmm. And so I can access it when it's the two of us, but mm. I, I have a really hard time accessing. Why? Th- I, th- I'm asking y'all. Well, is that, fix, can I, fix is me. that a get in is that, that part scrotum. of like an introvert? <laughs> I'd like to get into the scrotum of it all. No, that doesn't feel right. That's no. not the right way. <laughs> I told you I was going to find a way. That wasn't the right way. <laughs> I'll throw that one out. Come back to it. I would say that's fairly true about Alan, though. Too like there's these parts, and I, I'm just curious if that's like more of an introvert or personality where you use your safe person because that's one thing like I have to hold sometimes with him where it's like. I want people to see more of your playful side, but it takes like a long time. And I mean, even, even saying with my daughter, where I'm I like, was like, isn't that just like well, how she's designed? Yeah. And part of me is like, that's I okay. came from a very extroverted family. What am I going to do if I have an introverted child? Like, this is going to be a very Uh-oh. tricky thing for me to navigate, <laughs> you know, like to allow them to be them and not expect them. And it's not like, I don't want to say like perform, but to share that beautiful part of who they are that I get to see. I want other people to get to see. And I think that's yeah. that's yeah. the way I see it. And I don't know if that feel, resonates I think, for you. I but. think there's some of that. Like, I think I also grew up in a family. I mean, I've mentioned this and, you know, that I think my repression is inherited. Mm. And what I'm calling today repression, I just always thought I grew up in a pretty proper family. Like, I have never once in my life heard my dad pass gas. Like, that's not a thing I've I've ever experienced mm. in my life. We just didn't grow up in a house where, like, you belch or you did those things. We didn't talk about like bodily functions, let alone talk about bodies. And, and I know my mom probably would have really been very comfortable doing that, but because I know my dad wasn't, and I inherited so much of that in myself where it's just like, that's just not something that's normal to me. That's not something I'm comfortable with. (laughs) My wife's family on the other hand is like, they're all kind of out in the open. Everything is out there, you know, and I've never quite known what to do with that. Well, I mean, an important question to ask, I actually asked this of somebody the other day in a co-write who was expressing that they wanted to write a song that like was deeply personal, but then they were kind of afraid of it, you know? And I just asked them, I was like, okay, I don't want to like push you over a boundary that you're not ready to cross. So are you saying, I'm not ready to cross this boundary, don't push me? Or are you saying, I'm standing at the edge of this boundary, I need help crossing? And so like... That would be something I would ask you. Do you want that part of Luke to come out more with more people? Or does it feel good to you that like that's just something you share with Lacey? And neither is good or bad. It's like that would matter to me as your friend. Like I don't want to like 
push you over some boundary that you actually aren't comfortable with. But if you're saying like, yeah. I help friends, like I want to be able to say scrotum to my wife and my friends whenever scrotum I want. Scrotum is your word, not my <laughs> word. I'm becoming increasingly more comfortable with it the more I use it. I'll be honest. That's coming through. That's coming through. I think that there is a little bit of all of that in the mix. Like, okay, there's a reason why, like, I didn't have my first sip of alcohol until I was 24 years old. I didn't taste beer until I was 27. And I've been drunk probably twice in my life. And that has everything to do with the fact that, like, I don't want to lose my capacity to like be reserved. Like I don't want mm. to lose my modesty. I don't want to do anything in front of people that I would be embarrassed about if I was sober and I'm very easily embarrassed. And so that's important. Yeah. But it's the same part of me. That's like, I also want to be able to access the fun. There's a re you know, it's like I I've told you before how much I wanted to dance at your wedding and I just couldn't do it. Oh, I but was... your wife danced all around and you that's the reason... in the midst of it. And, we, and I, yeah. But I... that's the reason why I like, I, that's a gift I want to be able to give to her. I want yeah. to be able to match her energy uh, because times. she has this tremendous spark, you know, she's, and she's I want to be able to match now. her energy. And so there are times where you want to cross the boundary. Absolutely. But yeah. I don't know how to access the that freedom. part of me. And this actually is connected to language because that is part of it. It's not because I want to start speaking crude and feeling good about it. It's like, <laughs> yeah. I think this is all tied to repression as I experience it. Do you think it's connected to caring how others see you? Yeah, I'm a three. And, I mean, I'm constantly you? thinking about how I'm perceived by others. Right. Because I think there's a deep connection with like unashamed freedom of just letting go of like, I don't care how I'm perceived. Yeah. I definitely don't know how to access that. I think I find validity in how I'm being perceived. I mean, I would be curious, like Steve, you're also yeah. a three on the mm -hmm. Enneagram. Mm -hmm. We've talked about Enneagram before, like, but you also interesting. I mean, not, and not just because you're three doesn't mean you're the same person. So, yeah. you know, I know that, but like, you seem to be from the way I've experienced you so far, like, not afraid to like let loose in front of other people, like with language or with dance moves, <laughs> you know, <laughs> which are the two things that have come up. Like, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. is that something that you've always been like, or is that something that changed in you in time? I've never been very reserved. Okay. At times I am, but that has more to do with like energy and, you know, but like, last season or two seasons ago when we, you know, when, and really I kind of started the dance party. You I did. Mean, I totally you were the did. one who started it. And that was very surprising to me because I'm, okay. you know, now I did dance at your wedding and had fun, Yeah. but there was a part of me that was sitting at that table that was thinking like, I hope people don't get up and dance. I don't really <laughs> want to. But once I did it, you know, it was fine. Where I go, like even weekends, like we've spent together. Now we've done three or four now, four, Five. you know, I'll get up in the morning and all of a sudden my brain will scan. Uh Oh, did I, you know, did I say something stupid? Did I, you know, did I, did I, you know, someone going to be thinking less of me because I said something or did something. So I definitely deal with that. And that's mm. every day. I mean, that's every day I wake up and think that, mm. you know, mm. I do a quick scan. So I do think it's similar. It's similar, but you know, part of how I access my three though is like, uh, you know, if I do something a little flamboyant and people laugh, that's great. Cause now I've got some attention. <laughs> like that's yeah. my three. Yeah. I, I, I want people to think I'm funny or to think I'm smart or whatever. And so I'll, I'm more likely to, to risk saying something that's going to get some attention. 
I wonder if it is more connected to like embarrassment or not doing what's good and right, which is connected to purity culture. Then, yeah. I mean, that's I what remember, I'm trying to investigate. I remember what it was that I was yeah. trying to say. It was that I have such a hard time taking myself seriously that like I really care about other people taking me seriously. And that okay. manifests in seriousness or some sort of even like even sarcasm is how that comes out. Like I have a very mm-hmm. dry sense of humor. And if I'm really honest, and this is something I'm learning about myself right now, that has everything to do with the superiority complex of like wanting to feel like I have some control because my introversion activates big time. My shyness activates big time if I feel outnumbered. But if I feel like I'm in a room full of people that I know and love, and even if there's some strangers in there, I have Mm. this confidence to like be the center of attention and it doesn't bother me. I think that's even, that's even manifested in in like the ways that I've been active in a church. I have a really hard time sitting in a church and I would have a really hard time preaching in a church, but I can stand there with a guitar and feel really, really good about what I'm doing, like leading people in music. But even like as like a band member, I wouldn't be very comfortable. There's something about being in sort of a leadership type role that is very, very comfortable it's like for Validating. Me. Yeah. And I hate that. I hate even saying that out loud, but it's true. And you don't have to depend on anybody else. Then. Yeah. And so there's something about like needing to be taken seriously that makes it really hard for me to like loosen up. Mm-hmm. I get that. I really get that. Yeah. It's so interesting to me because I mostly identify as a seven. And I think if there was another number potentially for me, it could be a three. Like there's certain mm-hmm. parts, but recently I listened to a podcast. It was Glennon Doyle's podcast and she had a woman on talking about the Enneagram and they kind of broke down the difference between a three and a seven and how, I'd be curious what you guys think of this, but how threes are more focused on like the, the motivations about goals. I'm really simplifying this. Whereas like for sevens, it's more about contentment, like seeking contentment. And that I really, for a seven, I really resonate with that. Like, I like to make, like, accomplish things, but the, at the end of the day, it's about contentment, like, in those pieces. But the waking up and going through, like, like even just thinking about what we recorded yesterday and even this morning, like, gosh, did that make sense? Or did it, like, the, the, the analyzing of things is so present there, too. And Yeah. I actually, when I test for the Enneagram, seven is the number that comes back at the highest score. But it's one of those things where, you know, part of the whole Enneagram is that you really need to trust yourself mm-hmm. and sort of know your number. And I know that I'm not a seven. Like I read all of the things as a seven. I'm like, this is not descriptive of me at all. And three is like one, it's like one point less. Mm-hmm. And I have always hated the thought of being a three. And that's part of how I know that that's, it's like, because I have to look at it and be like, if I'm honest, that's, that is absolutely descriptive of me. And I think the difference might be that for me, the carrot is always dangling and it's always just out of reach. Whatever it is, whether it's a career in music, whether it's a career in podcasting, whether, whether it's whatever, like I've, it's manifested in a lot of different ways over the years. And so it's never been about contentment. It's been about achieving this thing that I actually can't achieve, mm. but always still striving for it. And so that feels never ending to me. Gosh, I, I have to do some more exploring on this. Ironically, <laughs> threes want so badly to be embraced everyone does but especially threes want to be seen for who they are and embraced and accepted but we spend so much time and energy out here working on our efficiency and our goals and staying alone you know mm-hmm. that i'm convinced now more than ever before threes maybe more than any other number find their healing and redemption within community within mm-hmm. uh, with by being you know, a part of the community that allows even that 
says something stupid and then is still embraced, that does something less than and is still. And at this stage in my life, you guys, even with my job right now, my new job, I'm really seeing like my role is to come alongside people and help them be and become. And, and it's really not to be the starring player. And it's so great that it's a co-lead and, you know, it's just my curriculum for my life. I know that I know that I know is healing in relationships. I like mm. just said that the curriculum for my life. Yeah. Yeah. What, like, I'm just curious, like, cause I feel like I've been witnessing you over the last few seasons. Talking to Luke. Yeah. I'm talking to Luke. Thank you. Thanks, Steve, because I was not listening until you yeah, said yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Like, even the act of showing up to do the show, the very first season, was uncomfortable for you, and you keep coming back, you know? And I would say that your discomfort has decreased, in, at least as your friend. In some ways, I think it has. But in other ways, there's things about you that are unchanging or still there, you know what I mean? But, like, mm-hmm. but you keep coming back. And so, like, Why? Yeah, I mean, it has a lot to do with the threeness, the need to achieve, the need to, like, arrive. I'm still chasing the carrot. Like, when I first started learning about the Enneagram, a coworker sent around this thing that talked about, like, what what is hell for each of the different numbers. And for a three, it was, if I remember correctly, it was to, like, present something to an audience and be misunderstood. Like, so to stand in front of people, to reveal some part of yourself and to be misunderstood. Hmm. And that is absolutely true for me. Thousand percent true for me. And I think that's part of the whole, that's part of what I mean when I, when I say like, I want people to take me seriously. I want to be, I need to be validated by the perceptions of others or whatever. And the thing that's hard about accessing like a silliness with people is I don't want to be perceived as silly because that doesn't feel true to how I at least want to imagine myself being. So, I mean, I keep showing up because we're friends and we've committed to doing this thing and it, and it has only ever proven to be life giving and, and like stretches me in, in really, really helpful ways. But it also has everything to do with like, I'm still chasing that care and I'm still trying to achieve. I'm still trying to accomplish something here and it's still out of reach. So. I mean, on some level, that's the human experience, like striving and searching and discovering, but On the other side, I'm like just wondering, like, and it's probably easier said than done the way you're describing your experience of you. Like, I wonder what it would be like if you, like, does it ever feel good to try on the idea of like, maybe I'm okay with the fact that some of these things make me uncomfortable. Like, maybe that's just okay. Yeah. I think I think about that. Yeah. Something that comes to mind. So between, you know, we took a lunch break earlier between episodes and you and my wife, Lacey, we're having a conversation about your energy school experience. And you talked a little bit about how the way energy works, like sometimes things just sort of get, your energy flow gets sort of blocked up in certain areas or whatever. And then she and I were upstairs talking after that. And I was like, maybe that's what it is. Like, maybe there's something that like, there's some healing that needs to happen in me to sort of unlock or unblock this part of me that I just cannot seem to access or Mm -hmm. Or let go of. I, I, maybe I'm, I'm hanging on. I need hang to let on, go. Hang on. You need to let go. <laughs> yeah, see. Hang Thanks on. So let but go. I want to actually, actually want to say you actually can access it because you've told us you can access it with Lacey. So I want to say you can access it. It's not that you can't. It's just that you are selective with when and how you access it. Mm. Or maybe it's just that I can't hide it from her. 
She's is, the person I, from whom I cannot mm. hide it, mm. you know. Is there a difference? Maybe. I mean, it feels like there's a difference, like, it because if I could hide it, I would, you know. So it's not a thing that I'm turning on because Lacey's around. It's a thing that, like, she can see through me. She can see through, you know, the sort of veneer of how I present to the world. I don't know. I don't know. What do I know? <laughs> well, I... I was here to talk about horny and scrotums. You're saying Yeah, look words. at you just look using those. Yeah, yeah, so, you knew how flush my face feels right now. <laughs> it's not flush, though. It yeah. is, trust me. <laughs> the internal flush. Yeah. What were you going to say? No, I think that sometimes the things that we speak over ourselves are very, very important, too. I, and you, I hear you using the language, if I can't, and I'm not, and maybe Lacey's the one who actually accesses me, and I feel a bit protective of you, you know, just overall, but I there's this element of, but Luke, you can, mm -hmm. and Luke, you are, mm -hmm. and Luke, you are able. Mm. And I loved the image at Latifah's wedding when you were standing there on the side. I mean, we were the dance, the whole thing became a dance floor and we're standing there and you're on the edge of it. And Lacey's bringing her energy all around you. And it wasn't just you that she danced with. I mean, because I know my husband danced with her too. And I, but it was like, you were still there on the edge you could have gone and sat down and you didn't. Mm. So I want to say it's not that you can't. It's that you're guarded for a reason. And maybe some of that energy is stuck. Guarded maybe is, is exactly the right. Like that word mm. resonates mm. deeply when okay. you say that. So if you are guarded, we guard something because there's a fear of something. And so like you've already named what your fear is. And what I love is that you can access that fear too. Mm -hmm. And so part of it is can we find space for both the fear and the function of moving forward. Hmm. Instead of trying to kill this fear, I don't want to kill anything. That's the last thing we need is to maim one part of you. I don't, we don't need to do that. There's a reason that fear is there and it's helped you survive. And as you're dealing with your inner younger Luke, I have a feeling you're going to be able to find that. Yeah. But I'm not going to sit here and let you speak those words of I can't and I, it's impossible because it's not impossible because I want to say from season one, you couldn't even look me in the eye. Yeah. Season exactly. one. Exactly. Remember? Like, there and has now been, yeah. you're, you are clear eyed. You engage eye to eye. You actually invite difficult topics and you actually propel us forward. Yeah, dildo's another one. I hate that word. <laughs> Look at you saying it. Sorry, I just needed to break the tension of all the attention. I will say I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying. And that is also something that my therapist keeps getting on to me about uh, because I have long used the word, which was really helpful and like healing for me in a particular time to learn about how I'm wired. And she's like, you've really got to stop talking about how you're mm. wired. Mm. You're not wired a particular way. Like you are in an experience and you are, you know, responding to that experience. But like... So I, I agree. I agree that like that is a way in which my sort of internal monologue hopefully will change and can evolve and improve. But you're guarded for a reason yeah. to protect something. And I, my, that's what I'm saying. Let's not be, I don't want you to be ashamed of that. I just want you, you're guarded for a reason. So, okay. So let's get curious about how I'm guarded hmm. and just be with that. And it has something to teach and you. With Lacey, maybe you don't have to feel guarded because there's safety between the two of you. And maybe it's just about the exercise of as you continue to feel safe with people that earn your trust, experimenting with how it feels to let your guard down. If you feel like you can actually like 
move the lever, you know, like, like I'm hearing you say with Lacey, it's like, I'm not moving the lever. She's moving the lever, but I would argue that you're moving the lever. You're actually moving it. Yeah. Because nobody can force that like in you. She makes you feel really safe. And so that happens, which is super beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yay. That that happens. (laughs) But But I want to say in your family of origin, what you basically have told us, there was no safety to just be a human in the sense of bodily functions. Body stuff. And I'm just, I'm not saying it wasn't a safe environment, but it wasn't safe for some of the natural functions of the human body, like farting, belching. Those are natural human responses. Yeah. Those were certainly not normalized things. Well, and then the church compounded with purity culture. Yeah. And I'm just saying, so that's the environment that you grew up in that was seeped around you. It doesn't mean that you didn't have a desire to fart or to burp. It doesn't mean that that wasn't a part of you. (laughs) And it would have been hilarious. But I'm just saying, do you see what I'm saying? You grew up that that was suppressed. Yeah. And so you had to be guarded in order to fit in that environment. Yeah. The hard part of that for me, the resistance that I feel rising up inside of me in those moments when we say things like that is that like, I'm so deeply concerned for how saying that and putting this, you know, recording this and putting this on the internet for people to hear how that affects my parents. Because it's like, I never want, I also am concerned with how they're perceived. It's like, I never want, Mm. I do feel protective of, I don't resent that in my parents. I don't resent that in my upbringing. It's only something that I've even remotely become aware of in the last few years. And And I don't hear that as your parents are bad. I mean, every family, my mom still is horrified if I burp at the table. Because it's just not how she was raised. It's not like she's trying to shame me. She just, she was taught that that's, that's not what you do. You know, it's it's part of her indoctrinated behavior. But the other thing I want to say is we're never going to heal from the ideal of who we want our parents to be. We're only going to heal when we actually are honest with things that actually hurt us. And that doesn't make them bad people. I mean, I have a wonderful mom, but I love my mom. But the reality was is she didn't know how to be attuned to me. She didn't know how to be present to me and my needs. And... Therefore, it doesn't make her a bad person. It just made, there were things she didn't have to in her toolbox. And some of the things that it's, that doesn't make our parents bad. Hmm. But we can be mad at our church parents. <laughs> <laughs> there is a place for the anger. So. Yeah. Yeah. I think there is a place for anger. For sure. But it doesn't but make it, them bad. And yeah. maybe your safe word is horny dildo scrotum. <laughs> <laughs> The the frown that is happening on your face now, I'd like to describe to the audience. <laughs> Blink twice if you need to get out of here right now. Blink twice. Yeah, and I, I don't say that to, I say that to break the tension, hopefully to help you, not to hurt you. So Remember earlier when you were like, yeah, if I know something really offends you, I would never. <laughs> I would never say that. You can just get in that scrotum. <laughs> Hang on and let go. <laughs> and let God. Let go. Oh, oh. <laughs> this episode of Fun Parts was produced, edited, and mixed by me, Luke Bronner. Our artwork was designed by the very talented Alan Lusink. All the music you heard in this episode was composed, produced, and licensed by the fine folks at blue.sessions.com. 
Check out our website at funpartspodcast.com and be sure to follow us on social media at funpartspodcast. Lastly, if you want access to bonus and behind-the-scenes content from this and other Milieu Media Group shows, join our neighborhood at the Patreon link in the show notes. And now, here's a scene from the next episode of Fun Parts. I don't actually think that we need advocates in the queer community. I don't think we need anybody to speak up for us. I think we just need friends, and we just need family, and we need churches that are safe, and we need places that are safe to just be, right? But like, we don't have to fight the people that hate us, and we don't have to change anybody's mind about whether they're accepting or not accepting. <laughs>